Welcome into a new episode. This is the Scarves Up Podcast. I'm your host, Name Mudis. Joining me is David Mudis. And David, we are on the best timeline. New Who has finally scored. Though I was assuming he would score in every game from now on, so I was a little disappointed by that. So let's get right into the games that we missed. Uh... Uh, so we're talking about our game against Orlando, game against Houston, and then the game yesterday against Austin FC. Um, let's start. Let's start with with New Who, uh, with New Who finally scoring um, in the game against Houston. And honestly, so I saw this game. I saw this uh, this goal um live in the back of a lift coming back from the New England Revolution versus NYCFC game um saw NYCFC just get absolutely outplayed by the Revolution 3-0 um and then in the car um I I did uh scream out loud when New Who finally scored and I I will say I was really hoping that it was going that it would have been like a bicycle kick or it would have been in an MLS Cup final for his first goal, but but this is a massive goal. Um, it definitely sparked a comeback in the Houston game. Um, thoughts on Newhu's first MLS goal? I mean, obviously, you know, very much a poacher's goal comes in from his wide position and takes a good position. Uh, near the goal, gets a lucky, you know, ball trickle out to him, but still has a lot to do. You know, he was patient and measured his shot and then put it in with his right foot right inside the post. So, you know, great, great work, you know, not, not as nervous as you would assume somebody taking their 58th attempted goal would have been. Allowed a lot of time. Uh, by the the Houston defense allowed Newhu a lot of time and space to find his spot, and he was cool and composed. Uh, put it in, so it's one one, and the Sounders would get a chance to equalize in the seventy third minute. Um, Freddie Montero goes down. Thoughts on the penalty decision? Um, any disagreements? You know, definitely a soft penalty. It looks like there was some contact, but, you know, the kind of call that the Sounders haven't been getting, um, you know, but it feels like other teams have been getting against us, so didn't feel too bad to get it. Um, I think, you know, um, yeah, I, I think this is very typical Montero. Like, he knows when to fall down um, on plays. uh yeah, what were what you you going to say? Yeah, so, you know, you... But I think he did have the inside position. You know, it wasn't like the one that got called against the Sounders where, you know, the forward kind of came running into the box and threw himself into the defender. At least in this case, um, the defender was on his back where he shouldn't have been and definitely caused some contact. You know, whether it should have been enough to take Montero down, you don't know. Um, but definitely the kind of situation where defenders get penalties called on them. Um, the other thing I was going to say is, you know, do you, you know, the old phrase, the ball never lies. Um, I don't know if we treat the fact that this was, 
you know, the first time Ladero had a penalty saved as uh, the universe commenting on the worthiness of the penalty call. Yeah, um, I uh, guess from it... Chicharito's performance, you can tell that the LA, LA doesn't deserve most of the penalties they get, given that he's only converted about half of them. Yeah, um, I saw someone tweet the uh, just recently that it fe- that sometimes it feels like VAR was only put into play to help the galaxy, um, which is hard to argue against. It does feel like that um, a lot of times. Um, it was an, uh, anyway, so Ladero steps up, uh, good save, and it, this is a good save from Steve Clark. Steve Clark is, is, he's just, he's an interesting keeper because he's been, um, tossed around to a bunch of, to a bunch of different MLS clubs, played with Columbus, played in Portland, played in two MLS cup finals, um, but has not, does not have good, good memories. Of those, obviously, in the Columbus game, he had the biggest, he had a huge mistake early on in that final. Uh, but it's a big save. Um, that being said, 76th minute, so right after the penalty, after saving a penalty, knew who puts a ball in, great ball into the box. Freddie Montero gets on the end of it, and I thought that Steve Clark was definitely going to save this. The ball does not have much pace on it at all. And watching, and again, watching this on the phone, I was, uh, me and Ethan Cooney, one of my football's life co-hosts, were both like, oh, that's going to be saved. And then the ball goes into the back of the net and we're, oh, it's a goal. Let's go. Sounders take the lead. Uh, thoughts on, on, on the second goal for the Sounders. We will take it, but I definitely think Steve Clark should have, he could have done something. He didn't even move. He, he does not yeah, move I mean, enough to do that. You know, Montero was quite close. He had a lot of the goal to shoot for. You know, there's no, you know, I think you're right that it, it was certainly possible for Clark to have gotten it's that ball. It's not far away from him. It's not far away from him. Sure. But I mean, again, it's hard, it's hard to, to say he should have known where to go. You know, Montero redirects the ball from quite close to him. Um, you know, again, not the not the most forceful of of headers, um, but I think you know I I don't think you can call it a goalkeeper error. Uh, definitely a little questionable uh, on on that because he's not cl- he is very close to to where the ball actually enters the net. And yes, Montero is pretty much at the six. He should be at least making an attempt there. It's just like, I think he, he was maybe he's still just bask. He was still basking in the, the glory of his penalty save. So you're upset at the lack of a courtesy dive. Well, it's not a courtesy. I, well, I wouldn't did say you want something like the summer that the Austin keeper did. Ah, I was just, I just thought that he should have that um a keeper in MOS should be like it it looks like something that an MOS keeper should be saving. So that's why I would say it's a goalkeeper mistake. But we will take it. We have not been getting um the soccer gods have not been giving us stuff like this recently. So we will take anything that will help us that gives us three points is is massive. 
Okay, now let's go back to Orlando. This game was a lot more frustrating. Um, Sounders going in this game, they know they need a result. Um, and after a disappointing game in Portland, um, where uh, we're, we're still annoyed that Eric Williamson did not get called for his obvious dive. Um, Sounders came out good. And I thought, especially in the, in the Orlando game, like Stephen Fry was particularly motivated and doing a great job to push the team um, forward and keep their heads up. Like we are the Seattle freaking Sounders. We can do this. Um, any, any uh, observations about Stephen Fry um, recently? I mean, I don't think any of this is a change. You know, he's he's very motivated. He wants to stop any anything that he can get close to. Um, I think, you know, he's been as frustrated as any of the Sounders at um, the goals we've been letting in. Do you um, think do you think if uh, Ladero does move on from the club uh, in the offseason, um which would be which would be um sad, but he's also been for the he's given so much to the club. There's really not much more he can do. Um, do you think Stephen Fry um could become the permanent captain, or do you think it's all Christian Rodon or someone or someone else? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think, you know, I think I like to see a field player as captain, Um, you know, maybe because the goalkeeper sort of always has the right and responsibility to be yelling out at the teammates. So I think he sort of doesn't need the captain's armband to be a, to be a spokesperson. Um, But, um, but but so yeah, if, I think that's my. But bias. if the keeper is Stefan Fry, I would say I would say he's. More so I mean, again, I I you know I'd I'd love to see him as that voice, but I think it's it's great if there's you know another field player who's speaking up as well. Um. Okay. Fair enough. Um. So back to the Orlando game. Sounders uh, take the lead um, in this game um, via Albert Rusnak. Uh, uh, Albert Rusnak uh, has a free kick. Uh, thoughts on that goal? Um, yeah, just a beautiful free kick. Um, I'm trying to remember if I felt like the, they did have a player lying down. Anything wrong? Um, they had, a, they had right. a player lying down. The keeper, the their keeper. Has a very good chance. He he's he's very well positioned, and yeah, and I can't I, remember that I, he I almost think it kind of went between a couple it. of heads, like it it really just barely got over the wall. Um, yeah, you can't blame the keeper. I think that what the what the keeper does on this this is, I honest I wouldn't say I, you you could say it's a courtesy dive, but you could also say that it's just like good goalkeeping. It uh, mostly I say if it goes over the wall then it's not the keeper's fault just because it's so difficult to do. Like the keeper's got to I mean, I think it depends what pace is put on it, you know, whether the yeah. keeper should be able to get to it. He came very close. I don't, you can't blame the keeper for 
for not, for letting this in. Like this was a beautiful free kick. Um, then the Sounders uh, would make it 2-0. And I think on the Sounders' second goal, which is Robert Diaz, you can blame the keeper a little bit more for not being able to get a hand or anything on the ball, um, which just falls to Roy Diaz right near the post, probably about two yards out. Um, that one, it feels like you could blame the keeper a little more. What are thoughts on that on that goal? Right. I mean, I guess, yeah, the keeper shouldn't have allowed the, um, you know, maybe should have done more to that, to corral that ball. Um, obviously, an easy tap in for Ray Diaz, probably his easiest goal um, for quite a while. Yeah. Uh, so, so moving forward in the Orlando game, then, uh, uh, so we only Torres, had about a minute of yeah. enjoying our two goal lead. And then uh, Orlando, and we always say um, most, the most dangerous part is right after you uh, time in the game is right after you've scored. Um, Sanders took their foot off the gas and Torres scores a beautiful goal. I don't think Fry even dove on this, on this goal. Um, just like a top right corner. Absolutely gorgeous. Then uh, they would, uh, they would take off um, Tesho Akindeli in the 64th minute and they put on Kara, um, who would have a huge impact in the rest of the game. Um, first, uh, Jordan Morris would be called for a handball um, in, um, in the box. He is surrounded by three Orlando players but one of his hands does go up and it and it hits them. The referee calls this on the spot. Um, what do you think of that? What do you think of 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 uh, of that call? Yeah, I mean, I didn't see a good replay of it. You know, it almost my my question was, you know, did did somebody push his arm from below? You know, or was it that there were so many people around him that he didn't have a good you know a good place to put the arm? Um, you know, it seemed like he didn't complain very much about it. And um, I, what I say is, like, the referee called it. Like, they did not go to VAR. The referee was good, was in a good position to see this. He saw the handball. So when it got called as a handball, like, on the field, um, on the field, like, it was never going to get overturned. Um, that being said, I don't think this is given as a penalty for a handball. Um, if uh, the referee doesn't give it, because I think that would be a very, very, I think it would be a very, very harsh um, handball call because Morris is, I think he's getting fouled by like two of the Orlando players. Um, And so like, I think the referee could, again, the referee could have called could have they could have taken back this this penalty call um by seeing that foul but i think um mainly like like it's not clear and obvious it's definitely not clear and obvious so they should stay with the call on the field um that's honestly what i would say about pretty much all the the referee decisions um in in this one um let's uh, 
well first first i'll say about the uh so we've we failed to mention in the first half orlando also had a penalty um that stephen fry saved um on first glance i thought that was a clear penalty but then you see the replay and it definitely looks like um i think it was madronda who brought who brought uh um, it was it was Madronda who stuck out the leg, um, who had a leg in between the legs of the Orlando player, and it doesn't actually look like there's much contact. There might be a little contact at the end, but the Orlando player is already falling down. So I would definitely say the Jordan Morris um, handball is way more of a penalty than their first penalty. But again, like there is contact, so there was no way VAR was going to overturn it, even though uh, it feels like it might be different if it happens to, if if it was LA, um, who would who might have given away a penalty. Um, it it, it definitely it didn't feel clear and obvious, um, and that's the same with the offsides call um, against Kara which was called offsides. Um, but then they go to VAR and determine that he wasn't involved in the play. So they overturn. Um, so they, they overturn uh, the offsides decision. Um, I, I don't think this call is clear and obvious. So I think it shouldn't have stood. Um, uh and that's because again, it took way too long to make the decision. Um, it took like two minutes. Um, that being said that it took two minutes, like it should not have taken two minutes. I think they got this. I think they probably got this right. Um, I think Carl yeah, I mean, was, I, I guess there are, I think, there are I think, I, I don't think Carl was offside. I don't think, uh, Kara was affecting the play and the I think he was that... affecting the play but if you look at the, the the wording of the rules of the game yeah it's not enough to be affecting the play you have to be directly affecting the ball or in contact with the player and... well I think the I think the um I think the the wording in the laws of the game are are do um um do not really cover um what happened here because it says like the attacker, um, the attacker, if to be deemed an offside, has to like, like move. It it makes it to me how I read it is like the attacker has to like move towards the ball, or like be in the way. Um, but I would still think, but like, one of the things that have that's important when you're uh, a goalkeeper or a defender is just like anticipate anticipating the next move. So like, um, and who is around the area. So you can't say that Stefan Fry and Jackson Reagan are not thinking, um, about Kara because he's literally standing like within a yard of both of them. Right. And he's clearly, so you like, know, clearly he's, affecting so like, their movement. But the question is, yeah. is it enough to mentally affect their movement or does he have to be physically impinging on them? And it sounds like the rules of the game are written that it's the latter, that he ha- if he's not actually touching them. Um, so, so what do you think is the 
should have happened on this play. Like we're like we we want the Sounders to win, and we would have been happy with the game ending, and we would have preferred this to end in a tie, even though the Sounders should have been able to hold the lead against Orlando when we're up two zero. Um, we we have to do a better job, and and um, yeah. So uh, I, I yeah. think what I would say is I disagree with the wording of the law, of the laws. Yeah. You know, I think if there's a player, if there's a player who's taken up a position that is affecting the play, that should count as offsides. And... Do you think this is clear and obvious? Well, think... okay, so that's a, that's another question I was going to ask. Like, I don't think the threshold for reversing an offsides call typically has been that it be you know obviously wrong. Certainly, yeah. if you look at how they do it in the Premier League, you know, with the with the with the the uh, geometric you know, analysis of, you know, drawing, drawing exact lines and calling it if somebody's, you know, one centimeter off. Um, they don't really give any deference at all to the call on the field. You know, also, the, they the, don't the really, also really in the Premier League, they don't, you, you really don't see an offsides call like them talking about, like if they were like involved in the play, like, like if they, you don't see them calling a goal because someone was, a goal usually doesn't stand if someone's in an offside position at all. Right. I haven't actually heard you know, that, honestly, you know, that discussion better. of does this player count or not? Um, I think this and... is, I think this is partly, I think this partly is connected to like, this feels like MOS, like wanting more goals because like Americans like, and this is something. And like, this is, I feel like goes into how I feel about baseball. Some it's a, in which they're um, the people who like the MOS owners and MOS, like they want goals, same thing in baseball. They want home runs. So they're making role. So they're, they're making rules and updating the rules so that people um, will score or get on base more often. Um, like them getting rid of the shift, I think is absolutely stupid. Um, I think, I think it's fun that you can use math in baseball. I think that's so cool. So you don't think soccer should do the same thing? You know, mandate everybody play a four-four-two. You know, maybe a passing yes. clock. You can't dribble more than three times before you pass or hold the ball for more than eight seconds. Oh my God, that'd be so awful. That's a uh, that. This is another thing. Like I feel like, I I feel um, really like, just like having it be required that you have to. And and this is um, also this is more about requirements in like football, but the fact you have to be in like a required formation, like I feel like you should be able to set up your team however you want, and like so you could set up your team in a formation where only where you only run one play, but if that one play works, then who it doesn't matter it works um i will say i would prefer that if someone's in an offsides position like just like if someone's in an offside position i i prefer that they just call offsides i don't i i think these discussions of like where was someone involved in the play is just stupid um and i prefer that um Especially because when you win a game in these situations where like where like no one can decide if someone was on sides or off sides, like no one wants to win like that. 
you want to win because you scored like a amazing Galazzo, not like this. So also, yeah, it's bad. It's bad when the, you know, basically the score of the game is developed is was determined by was determined by a VAR decision rather than by something happening on the field. Yeah. Um, Yeah. That's, that's why it's hard. Yeah. That's why it's hard. And again, this is, uh, we talked to, you mentioned pitch clock. That this is when we need the pitch clock. We need the we need the we need the VAR clock. Uh, ten seconds. If it takes okay, so you longer want the VAR than VAR clock. Yes. If it takes a if a decision takes longer than ten sec seconds to be made, then it's not clear and obvious. Um, what, and what maybe are your the thought? same technology yeah. that they're thinking of using to keep players on the right side for the shift can be used for keeping coaches in their in their technical areas. Yeah, I I, I don't know about that. Um, what did you think about the before we let's uh, move on from the Orlando game? But what, what do you think about the um, the uh, uh, first penalty? Um, did you think that was the right call? Or like that was another one? It like similar to the Williamson one. When which like it definitely the players definitely going for it and there isn't that much contact. Yeah, I would have to write another you know watch another replay of that, but you know definitely. Um, like Madrid's right, foot you know. is in between the guy's legs. It's not. It doesn't have. To, it's not like on top of one of them. It's it's. Be- oh, was this the one yeah. where where yeah. Madrid kind of swept under his legs and then yeah. the, and then the guy kind of landed. Yeah, yeah caught okay. him on the so, back. Yeah. Right. So. You know, I think Madrando was unlucky, um, but because there is contact ground, at the very end, yeah. right? I mean, but effectively, it was you know Madrando. Sw- you know, the, the player kicked the ball out of the way, jumped up in the air. Madrando swung under him, but any situation where you go to ground, don't get the ball, and leave your leave your foot out anywhere near the attacker, um, I, I know, think they're going um, to find a way to trip over it. I think. Uh... My uh, co-host Matt Powell of Football's Life says it best about he he says he said he says many times like when you go to ground like you are taking a risk like and like if you if you touch them at all like there's a good chance you're gonna give up um, a right. penalty and similar or to the a, question or of a, you might get a card. You know, it's, anytime like, you're a defender in the box a, a with somebody dribbling in front of you and you don't put your hands behind your back. You are yeah. assuming the risk of the ball hitting it. Yes. Before the Austin game, uh, we also had the U.S. Open Cup final uh, in this past week, which saw Orlando face off against USO championship side Sacramento um, Republic. Uh, and Sacramento, like until Orlando took the lead late in the second half, um, they they looked like the better team. Um, thoughts thoughts on uh, how this final played out? Yeah, it definitely seemed like they kept the game pretty even. I can't recall if there was a time that they looked especially like scoring. I think you know both teams had some chances. It was an entertaining game. Um, but then yeah, then it just seemed like in the last fifteen minutes or so, uh, Sacramento started to run out of gas and yeah, over Orlando overall was able like the. To... Overall, the, the team's quality um, and, and like skill level um, took over um, in the end um, as Orlando 
um, whose team is also probably in better shape physically and also like the 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 odds were stacked against Sacramento. Like um the game was in it was in Orlando. Um Orlando's the MOS team. Orlando didn't play an MOS match on the weekend before this. Sacramento did they had to play one of the best teams in USL championship um which is uh, Louisville. So they were already on the the eastern the east coast um in the weekend. What do you think about uh USL championship not moving their game but MOS did move their game uh for uh you know scheduling is always hard so I I didn't really I don't really know what was up with their schedule. But and I mean, also, like, like it shows MOS cares about MOS. It shows that MOS cares more, more about this than USL championship. And I don't think that, I, and I think that's harsh because I think the USL championship really did care about this. This was the biggest game in their history in a long time, especially for Sacramento. And it's been a very, very long time since a US, since a team that wasn't in MOS won. Um, last you know, the other thing I'd say Rhinos. is it's it's often, you know, sometimes you feel like getting too much rest is just as bad for a team as as having too many games to play. So anyway, hard to know. I don't I didn't really look much at what Sacramento's schedule was. So hard for me to have an opinion. If, if this game was in Sacramento, that would have been uh, I'm interested to see. I, would have been interested to see if this game was in Sacramento, like how if, if this game would have ended differently, because like. And flip um, or for the final, yeah. did they want to be sure they had a bigger stadium? Um, no, it's um for the they they're they before the semifinals, there's a draw. Um uh they do the semifinals and like the seeding for the fine for the final four teams at the same time, um where they uh for like uh, when they do the semifinal, like to determine who's home and away, they also rank the four teams. Um, so when Sacramento was selected as the host for their game against Kansas City um, and Orlando was selected um, as the host for their semifinal game um, against, I think it was the Red Bulls. Um uh, when uh, when that happened, um, then they ranked the teams, and Sacramento was just drawn fourth. So no matter what, they had no chance of hosting the. They knew they had no chance of hosting the final, but they, uh, it was all based on luck that that happened. It wasn't about stadium capacity. Who knows? Maybe if the game was in Sacramento, they would have moved it to like a new by and nearby college um, stadium. That definitely seems possible. But then also, Sacramento just has a big fan base, so like it's a good atmosphere. They had a good atmosphere for that game against SKC, so I think they probably would have just had it there. Um, moving on. From the U.S. Open Cup, this means Orlando has their first ever trophy, um, and they will be get to be in the CONCACAF Champions League next year. Um, do you think this um, this will push Orlando um, to greater things this season? Uh, they did 
However, just lose five to one against Philadelphia in the East, in the Eastern Conference um, yesterday. Yeah, I mean, you know, Philadelphia obviously, you know, scoring a, a ridiculous number of goals um, against a lot it, of people. So Philadelphia continues, to... conti- even with that, they're still people still don't talk about them that much. I mean, like there's going so many goals and this is definitely their, their cup to lose. Like they're just looking absolutely unstoppable right now, but like no right. one respects amazing them. 46 goal uh, differential, yeah, um, it's which is as much as about the top three teams in the, in the, in the West. Um, now you could say that's about how bad some of the teams in the East are and the unbalanced schedule, I suppose. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, as far as Orlando, it sort of seems like they're going to, um, you know, stumble into the playoffs. Um, but, um, but yeah, you know, how, how, how good will they, will they be? How will they continue, continue this into the Champions League next year? You know, who knows? The franchise still has a long way to go. Okay, so moving on to the game against Austin, a game with huge... Uh, meaning for the Sounders. Sounders need three points uh, from this game uh, and a very convincing performance um, by the Sounders. Um, first time you'd been at the Sounders um, in person in a while. What what was the atmosphere like? New new video boards finally working. Um, uh, yeah, beautiful, beautiful day in the stadium. Uh, aside from a little bit of smoke, Seattle has been having some air quality issues. Uh, which let, not as uh, bad as it's been in the past, though. Right, not as bad as a couple of summers ago, but but still, you know, uh, a little bit of a strange atmosphere. The sky was a uh, an odd an odd shade, um, but yeah, you know, a big crowd came out and um, you know had a good time, and the you know Sounders took the lead early and never looked like giving it back. Yeah, so talk about. Um, all the goals Robert Diaz scores first. Um, just an, an great play by the Sounders. So much power, no chance. Uh, Brad Stuber has it. Yeah, and obviously, you know, Raul deserves credit for that goal in the next one. But you know, really, Jordan Morris doing a huge amount of work on the wings, and Alex Roldan on that first goal. You know, freeing freeing Jordan up, or maybe the second goal that was Al- yeah, the that- pass from Alex. Um, no, the, the the first the the, the it's the first goal. Uh, the first goal was yeah, the one yeah, Morris yeah, was in the corner, that. and then sort of a touch by Ladero, and then oh yeah, and then yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. second one was uh, rolled on down the wing, and then Morris yes. then Ruiz. I mean, again, but, obviously, but, yeah. you know, not you can't underestimate the difficulty of you know finishing those balls coming in at pace across the across the net, and you know giving you know multiple people in his way, no chance to solve the, to to stop them. Um, we've seen, okay, well, let's talk. So yeah, let's talk about the second goal. The second goal, um, as soon as Morris got past his defender, which we've been seeing him do a lot recently, and hopefully he continues to do that, him looking right. And that was obviously, you know, showing off the the speed he has, you know, he was a yard behind the defender when the ball was played, but he really did just run right by him. Yeah, he did that. And we saw him do that a lot his first year with the team. He was he scored a lot of goals just blowing past the defenders. 
and he does that here. And as soon as he got past the defender, I thought he should just shoot. But he keeps the ball, and then Raul Roy Diaz does it. Great job. It's the same thing with Roy Diaz. Like, Roy Diaz is, a, is like five steps behind the defenders, and he just turns on the Jets um, to get Right, comes in right front. between the two defenders and smashes it home. Just like perfect placement. Morris sees it. We've seen this from Morris again, where he um, inclines to pass it instead of shooting. Very, very unselfish. Um, and Roy Red- Raul Rodriguez goes his second of the game. Huge, huge goal. Um, Sounders, and then and then also I think just the fact that we were able to get into halftime. Um, Orlando, uh, uh, Austin had some chances. Um, had some chances uh, right before half, but we managed to shut um, the chances down, um, and we gone to half two zero, which was huge. Um, just in general, keeping the shutout in this game is absolutely massive. Um, if the Sounders can continue to get um, shutouts, um, that will give us a bunch of confidence as we continue to push for the playoffs. Um, the the Sounders would uh, make it three zero. Um, and Brian Spencer said at halftime that it was going to be very important whoever scored the third goal, whether 2-1 or uh, 3-0. Um, and Sounders would get it via an own goal. Um, the uh, the free kick was taken by Rusnak. Um, and... Uh, Did you see a good replay of this? I don't actually know whether Ariaga got a touch on it or all. I don't think Um, if 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 Ariaga touched it, he just like barely touched it. But this is clearly an on goal. Like, so I really want to give the credit to Nuhu, who had uh, a hand on each shoulder of the defender. And yeah, you know, I kind of picture Nuhu. You know, I don't know what video game this is. Yeah, you know, but basically just you know Nuhu holding the defender like a signboard and you know, just getting the right angle to bank the ball home. See, I, I understand what you're saying, um, but anytime you talk about, like, two hands on the defender, it opens up Austin to be able to say, like, well, he was holding him back. That would be a really harsh um, – that would be a really harsh call. But uh, it's still – like, it, the the ball from Rusnak is just exactly what you want. He puts it in a dangerous um, spot um, for the – for the defenders, no defender wants to be running towards his goal. Guess it hits him in the back, so he wasn't really running towards goal, but but uh, great placement and, and ends up in the back. So, of what the do you net. think of that play by the defender? You know, it seems like it's a bad idea to literally have no idea where the ball is coming from. You know, kind of yeah. like turning your back on the ocean, turning your back on yeah, I don't... on the corner kick seems like yeah. a, a poor choice. Yeah, that's the thing on the play. Like, Newhu is also – I think Newhu knows exactly where the ball is. Like, and I think the defender – I think the defender is just focused on stopping Newhu from getting closer to the goal. So, so in the, like, the defender – the reason the defender is trying to stop Newhu from being able to run into the goal. Right, and I guess so that's a good lesson. he succeeded in that. He succeeded for the, in that. You know, a good lesson as an attacker, you know, to divide your defender's attention, you know, if they're they I mean, can't easily about, see both you and the ball. So 
if you, on, on, you know. I mean, you on free kicks, you want to be able to, you want to be able to see your man and the ball, but in a lot of ways, like uh, you hear commentators talk about, like, oh, he was caught ball watching. Like, if you shut down a player, if you are so on top of a player and that player is watching the ball and you just are just watching that player and um, without fouling them are able to put them off, um, even if you don't know exactly where the ball is, um, you're you're doing enough than if you were to let them go and you're just watching the ball. Right. So the defenders asked to do three things, you know, watch the player, watch the ball and stay goal side of their man. And, you know, knew who did a good but, job uh, of making it impossible yeah. to do all three. Yeah. Sorry for Ariaga. That is not your goal. That was, it's a, you can give it to new who you can give it to, or, or the, or to Gabrielson. Um, what did you think of, um, Alex Rodon receiving a yellow card for time wasting. Um, it did take game. him an awfully long time to make that throw. So I, yeah. I you know, I couldn't tell from across the stadium yeah. um, whether the referee, you know, gave him a verbal warning before coming with the card. But I basically think that was, you know, when you've got a team that's up two or three to nothing and, and somebody, you know, making that many tweet. you know sort I of saw, moves toward some, throwing it in but not doing it i think you you have to do the warning some people on on twitter were saying that it feels like pro only gives us cards for time wasting um i don't think that's and that's definitely an exaggeration but was there um even like in this game like i don't think there was um there was like even before we had the lead like austin really never they never really time wasted early in the game like i would like right i mean no, i guess like, the, there was nothing you know, the, like they deserved. i don't think he, the, like, um, their, their keeper wasn't being slow nothing compared right to i mean often the visiting team will have you know will will be be sort of willing to slow the pace of the game down and and take it out as a tie um but yeah i mean obviously they you know they were behind from the close to the beginning so they they had no reason to be time wasting um okay. but yeah i mean i think yeah. You know, again, that one particular play was slow enough that it, it seemed like a perfectly justified card. Okay, let's talk about substitutions in this game. We saw Leo Chu, Reagan, um, Rowe, and Montero come into this game. Um, any noticeable plays from them, um, from the substitutes? Um, Leo Chu, I believe he only, he only really had one play. He came on in the 88th minute, but in his one play, he lost the ball. So right yeah i mean i you know he is, a, he, he is he is getting very very close to mark birch's level of garbage you know so i mean i guess that's you know something to talk about is the the formation change that the sounders have have gone to you know it seems like they've finally found a way to replace jp as a defensive midfielder by uh the combination of leva and atencio who put together are about as old as jp and I think um, we've also, I think, we, I think, but I think the bigger change is that um, Albert Rusnak is better at playing higher up the field. He's right. He's and so that's, that's let Rusnak, you Rusnak move up with Ladero as an attacker. And that's the bigger, you know, I, I guess the, the downside of JP of Leva and, and Atencio counting as two people um, is that it means there's no room for Leo Chu on the field. Uh, which I guess you're not Good. seeing as too much of a, of a loss. Yeah. yeah. 
I don't see any problems. No problems there. Um, yeah, I uh, very impressed with with Atencio and Leva. I thought they played very well. Um, Rusnak, of course, um, uh, and it was the same thing in in the it was the same thing in really in these last three games um, with um, in which the formation has been like this. Um, Rusnak um, has really um, shown up to what uh, he can be, um, and I think that it it just is just very much shows that he is an attacker first. Um, any other thoughts on 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 Austin? I, so after a huge win against LAFC um, at home. They've really slowed down. They lost to Portland. They lost to uh, Nashville. They lost to Nashville 3-0 as well. And now they just lost to us 3-0. um was on the bench. Um, right. And he just came, is he yeah. injured? You know, he just came in for the last few minutes of the game. And, you know, I presume they would have brought him on sooner if they could. Do you know what's up with that? Um. Yeah, he had like a... He was like questionable. He was just as questionable before this game. Um, I mean, obviously, yeah, you know, losing yeah. Drusi, who who had been putting together sort of a an M- an MVP caliber performance until until a month ago or so. Um, well, well, I mean, he well, I mean, he would he probably wouldn't win MVP if if Mukhtar wasn't also in the league because Mukhtar has MVP completely locked down this year. Um, if you ask me, but um, I, I we got to give credit to Austin of what they have accomplished this year. Um, even though their form right now is similar to how they were playing last year, um, a lot the the turnaround that they had from last year to this year is incredible. Um, as they are in second place right now, um, in uh the uh, Western Conference standings. I definitely didn't see it coming after their season last year. The other thing I'll say is that I I think Josh Wolf has to be at the, like the top of the li- list of like best looking MOS coaches out there. Oh, one is like, the there's another Wolf on fun. the on the Austin team. Is he uh, is he related? I don't believe so. But uh... Uh, Owen Wolf, who's only 17 years old. Oh yes, he is Josh Wolf's child. Um, that's interesting. Um, so he joins like uh, like the likes of Bob Bradley and Michael Bradley, and then also um, Romeo Beckham with um, Inter Miami. Um, into uh, seeing some nepotism with all these clubs. Um, all right. Uh, Sounders' next game is against uh, Vancouver. It is in Vancouver, Sounders with four games left um, at Vancouver. Then we come home, we play Cincinnati. Then we uh, uh, play uh, at Kansas City. And then we finish um, uh, against San Jose at Lumen Field. Obviously, we've got a lot of work to do to make that. Uh, final San Jose game, uh, a meaningful game, definitely a winnable final game. Um, but we need at least at least uh, two or three wins to out of those intervening three games to well, really, make it mean this, something. 
this Austin game is the only game I think the Sounders um, the, the Sounders um, really could afford to lose and not be be out. These other games, if we can't beat these teams, then we don't deserve to go to the playoffs. Right. We, I mean, but we've lost are... we've we've lost a bunch of other games we should have won. Um, yes. So yes, you and, know. and because and because we know how that feels, I, I still there's no reason if we don't win these games, we don't deserve to go to the playoffs. These teams are bad. There's no reason that any of these teams should be able to to beat us. We should be winning all these games by multiple goals. Um, now, so obviously, we should that. we should be at at sixty three points as well by now, um, but. Um, you know, yeah. Let's uh, let's show that we're we're back to where we should be, like we did against Austin. Yeah. So for this game in Vancouver, um, Vancouver uh, just came off a is coming off a loss against uh, Colorado um, on uh, the this past weekend um, at home this year. Uh, Vancouver. Uh, is seven four and three. So they've been much better on the at home than they have been on the road. They are two ten and four on the road. Um, thoughts on on what we have to do in Vancouver? Do you expect any lineup changes um, from this game against Austin? Uh, as this game is a full week um, after it, it is. Um, you know, I don't. Saturday. I don't. Um, I think you know we found a we found a formation that's working for us for now. So I would expect to see this same formation. Um, I guess we're, you know, the next question is when might uh, Christian Roldan be available? But I mm -hmm. think that's probably not until the Kansas City game at the earliest. Yeah. Um, yeah. Christian Roldan was a, uh, was um, taking part in the Austin game. Um, he was running the Sounders Twitter yesterday during the, uh, okay. during the game. And, so um, I guess the other wild card to throw in for these last four games is some international call-ups. Um, so uh, really, really obviously only mixed for the, news for the Sounders for the to hear that Rui Diaz is wanted by the Peruvian team. Really, only the uh, the Cincinnati game is the only game that that uh, international players will be gone for, since that's uh, that's during the break. He should be back for the other games. Um, okay. That being said, um, I do sort of wish that. Um, the Sounders could say to the Peruvian national team or Roy Diaz could say to them is I'm fighting for my life here in the, to try and get into the MLS playoffs. You guys did not qualify for the world cup. So this game is entirely pointless. Um, it does seem there's uh, a case to be made in that direction. So the sound, if the Sounders could reject, um, his like they're like offer and not release him and say you come play for us like uh, um i would be very happy with that um all right um before we wrap up the show um one other play we wanted to talk about um so we're watching other scores because um it's important right now that we we want the galaxy salt lake minnesota portland all these teams to drop points um, as so we can try and sneak into the playoffs and a, a big uh, decision was giving at the end of the LA Nashville game yesterday, um, LA um, stole a point 
from a game that they really deserve to lose. They did not play well in this game. We saw Chicharito for the second week in a row um, miss a uh, penalty kick. Uh, great save um, by the Nashville keeper. Um, uh, in general, what are your thoughts? What What do you believe in um, uh, having the player who gets fouled take a penalty kick or player who's taken a penalty kick already in a game take a second one what what do you think about about that are you um, no to either? I believe, no i mean it seems obvious that the the goal you know the goal is to win the game so you know the player who's going to have the best chance of scoring that kick should be the one who takes it now i think there are some players who you know the adrenaline of of uh you know getting there and of getting there, drawing the foul, you know, means they have so the you know, such a desire to prove the, they were right. The the stats say that if someone wins a penalty, they should not take it. Do you think that is true? I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense because, you know, by definition, they've just been fouled. They've probably been dumped to the ground. They were probably, you know, working hard. And so to the extent that complete, you know, converting a penalty kick is a is a mental game. Um, it makes sense that somebody else with a, you know, who's in a calmer situation would have a better chance. Um, but again, there's a clear variation in skill. Um, what do you think of what? Do, what do we think about uh, what? Also, what do you think about Titorito going for the Pinenko when his team is tied two-two? Yeah, I mean, you know, so points. again, just you know, in the same way that all goalkeepers have to be crazy, you know, you have to be a little crazy to be a penalty kick taker. Um, I think Chicharito is interesting. I mean, he's clearly a personality outlier in that he seems likely to set the record for, you know, for missed penalty kicks. I'd actually like to see the global, he already does. You know, he already does have that record. He already does okay. have like, yeah, the, but I mean, you know, the, you need to, most you misses need to, and, and, and he has the, you know, worst you need to have a particular rate. kind of personality um, to miss that many and have your coach still let you take them. Now, maybe yeah. they just, maybe he just refuses to, you know, go play forward unless they keep letting him take the penalty kicks. Um, but um, yeah, the Panenka, you know, I mean, again, it's a lot of, in a lot of ways, scoring a penalty kick is like a game of rock, paper, scissors. So you can't necessarily say it's a bad idea, just in the same way you can't say, you know, oh, you know, choosing rock is a bad idea. It depends what the keeper's doing. Doing do. a Panenka severely low is severely lowers your chance of scoring because of just i would say the speed um, sure just blast it just blast it in right i I'm mean saying. but if you but it also lowers your chance of hitting of missing the goal or hitting it over um so it's again it's all about you know what can you do with your hips and the rest of your body to sell the keeper on the move that they have to make you know if you can get them moving then the panenka is going to work if they're not moving then you're going to look silly. And Chicharito definitely has looked silly on especially that one, yeah. but also this last one. Credit to him for immediately after doing the Panenka and then LA tying the game. Um, he did apologize uh, for, for doing that immediately. Yeah. And so what do you think about Ricky okay. Boog taking the, uh, the second penalty in this LA game? I didn't see how so much also, discussion there was about that. So, also, the statistics will say that no one should take a penalty twice in the same game, um, depending, no, no matter if they score or don't score. Um, I think, I mean, after the first one, 
like like Pooj was trying to take the penalty, the the initial one from Chicharito. He wanted to take it, um, but Chicharito kept uh, holding the ball. Um, so there was no chance that Chicharito was taking the, this the second one. Um, also, he was the one who who earned it again. So just again, no chance that was going to happen. Um, I will say all the I, there were three penalties in this game, and all of them were correct. Like yes, it's late in the game, but they're definitely like there's two handballs, and then the one that 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 Chicharito got saved, like. It's a foul. No, you that... had a question about the the, the Walker Zimmerman penalty. Yes. To me, it looked like he's definitely crouching down, spreading out his arms, trying to make himself look big. So it just sort of looked like exactly what you shouldn't do as a defender. Now, yes. obviously, he's yes. a great defender, so matter. usually yes. he doesn't make those kind of mental mistakes too often. Yes, this is, again, I've said it a lot recently um, on both the Scarves Up and on Football's Life that it does not matter about uh, it really doesn't matter about like how close you are to the to the ball um, when staking. His arm is outstretched. His arm is away from the body. It clearly hits his arm. It's not even like the weird like upper shoulder part um, where we get into stuff. Is it clearly hits him? Um, and then to me, I I have no problem with a yellow card being being shown. Um, I I the the goal is gonna the ball is going towards the goal um if it doesn't hit him like the keeper is gonna have to do something uh i don't think it's going wide um on the play so with that i have no problem with the yellow card um i think a red card would have been would have been harsh um but i think a bit about this in like the same light as uh like giving a card here uh, a yellow card versus red is like sort of I, I'm thinking about this with like the Chiellini volleyball play like whatever the referee does like I'm pretty I'm game for that Um, it just has to be consistent moving forward like uh, if this is what if we're going to give yellow cards for this then I'm I'm good with this I'm good it makes sense you're blocking you're blocking the goal you're on a yellow card you get a second one. I'm good with that, but the consistency has got to step up. Um, what 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 are your thoughts? Yeah, um, right. And obviously, I guess the red card. Um, you know, the fact that it's the second yellow. I don't know. I mean, it's um, he's not going to get I, rescinded. It's not going to get rescinded. Like play people on Twitter saying it's a terrible call. It's going to get taken away. It's not going to get taken away. I mean, I guess, I guess, yeah. I think the in the in the questionable handball calls um, against the Sounders, I can't think of too many cards they've gotten in that same situation. So anyway, I'd be interested to see Pro's reasoning for why why that was considered a handball offense. Um, you know, if it was because he was sort of no, more facing a... the ball and spreading his hands. No one's gonna. No one's arguing about if it was a handball or not. People right, are just arguing about if he should get a yellow card. Right. Why? Why did he get the yellow card for it? And and that that is that rule applied consistently. I haven't thought about it yeah. enough, so I'm not really sure. Yeah, I would say it's because it's it's um, denial of I would say it's because it's denial of an obvious goal scoring opportunity. But um, with the updated laws of the game, um, in which they're trying not to give people 
um, uh, a penalty and a red card um, and a straight red card. I mean, um, unless it's like really, really violent or very malicious, or it's like a maliciously bad tackle. Um, I, I, um, so now if you do something that used to be a red card in the box, you get a penalty and a yellow card. So to me, that's why it was a yellow card. Um, and he just so happened he was already on a yellow card. I do think the bigger the the bigger thing, um, the bigger takeaway from this result um, is just like when Walker Zimmerman is not on the field um, for Nashville, Nashville struggles. So um, he'll be I will be shocked again if this gets rescinded. That being said, I think Nashville will struggle heavily in their next game. Um, and it's very annoying that I um, that it ended this way because we were so close to being level on points with the Galaxy, um, who now still have one more point than us and have a game in hand. So that's definitely very frustrating. Um, any other thoughts on, on the Western Conference and how close it is before we wrap the show up? Yeah, you know, obviously just – uh, a whole logjam of teams from third position down to 10th. And, um, you know, the Sounders will need some help, but I think we're going to get it if, and so we don't quite have our destiny in our own hands, but I think if we can uh, beat these teams we should beat, we will be still playing. Okay. That's going to do it for this episode of the Scarves Up podcast. The show now has uh, a Twitter at the Scarves Up pod tweet at us um if you want if you have stuff you want us to talk about um that is on twitter at the scarves up pod um again want to remind you you can follow the show on instagram at scarves up podcast on instagram and uh if you have any other questions or you want to contact the show check out the website scarves up all right for till the next game in vancouver as the Sounders 2022 MLS season is coming down to the wire, make sure to keep your scarves up.